0: Well, I know I'm probably the hundredth person to tell you this today, but Merry Christmas. It's good to be here with you. Uh, It's so good to be here this morning. I've actually just been on the verge of tears all morning, and I don't know if it's just the beauty of the season or sleep deprivation or some combination of the the two. I don't know, but uh, it's so good to be here with you. And uh, Young kiddos and parents in the room, uh, I, I know you're doing your best. Just stick with it. Um, you will not offend me if you need to get up and leave. You'll not offend me if you need to move around. So just do whatever works. It's worth it to all be together this morning. So pressure off. That's what I'm trying to say. Pressure off. And, uh, we'll actually, I'll try to keep my, my words a little shorter here than usual so that we can go eat Jesus' birthday cake, which is really all we want to do. I know that's why you came. So, uh, pray with me. Father, I do thank you for your beautiful people and the church family. God, thank you for this wonderful story that we meditate on this morning. God, may we see it with fresh eyes and ears and hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, uh, <clears throat> some of you may already know this. I, I, I became a Christian later in life, um, and I, I didn't really grow up in the church, so church was always kind of new for me. And When I, when I became a Christian, uh, I started going to church, right? That's what you're supposed to do. Uh, And I realized there's a lot of weird stuff about being a Christian. There's weird stuff. And I'm not even talking about the obvious weird stuff, like believing that God became a man uh, and died and rose again. Like, once you accept that, there's still weird stuff uh, that you have to get used to. And you know what was like the weirdest thing for me about church? It was singing. I was thinking about it because we've been in this series, right, on the Psalms, on singing, God's people singing. I I remember going to church for the first time, uh, which I always try to remember now as a pastor, how strange an experience that was, going to, having never been, uh, or having not been in a long time, and going to church again. And it was, I mean, it was weird enough because, right, there's all these people shaking your hands and smiling and handing you free stuff, and you're like, what is all this stuff? I I don't know what what this is, but... (laughs) And then right when the service started, everybody stood up and started singing. And I thought, I didn't sign up for this. This is not at all what I thought was going to happen. Don't get me wrong, you know, I I, like, I liked music and I, and I liked to sing, but I liked to sing where normal human beings like to sing, like at a concert or in the shower or in the car, right? Stuff like that. Singing with a bunch of strangers, that I hadn't done before maybe hard to get your mind back into that mode so I think about it this way imagine your friend calls you and says hey I'm having a bunch of people over to my living room and we're just gonna have a (laughs) sing-along do you want to come you would say no I don't and yet look at us today we have this really fancy sing-along every Sunday together it's what church does in every city and state In the country across the globe in nearly every language and every place if it's sunday morning you can go to rhode island you can go to rwanda you can go to india indonesia australia austria you can go anywhere you can go everywhere and hear music and hear singing about jesus and this is the longest running show in history now more than, we, 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 we did the math, now more than 100,000 weeks and counting. More than 100,000 Sundays since the first Easter. Everywhere. Even on Christmas Day. To sing. Isn't that amazing? You think about it that way? Why do we sing? Why have God's people always felt the need to sing? Why is this huge chunk of the Old Testament a hymn book of songs, right? This book of Psalms, which we've been talking about in our series, Songs That Sustain Us. Why, especially on Christmas, do we sing so much? I asked myself this question as a new believer, and I've I've been asking it of myself again these past few weeks. And, And the story we're looking at, the story we just read, this Christmas story, it helps to answer the question, Here's what I think. We sing, we sing because rescued people cannot help it. Rescued people cannot help but sing. If you have your Bible with you, uh, turn to Luke chapter 2. Let's take a a look at this story that's inspired so many songs. And uh, really, there are are three reasons here why we sing. Three three things I want to talk about this morning uh, briefly. And the first reason is this. Okay, here it is. The reason we sing is because Christmas is true. It's true. Christmas is not a fairy tale. It's not a myth. It doesn't start in Narnia. Luke doesn't start his account of these events with once upon a time or in a galaxy far, far away. You may not believe that these events actually happened the birth of Jesus but there is no doubt that Luke believes they happened and he wants you to believe with him and so he begins with what would we, we, you could just describe as historically verifiable fact that's where he starts it reads like a textbook did you pick up on it look at verse 1 in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered this was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up to Galilee from the town of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Did you hear all the details in there? You can find details like that all over the Gospels. Luke is going out of his way to locate this story in space and in time. He's saying it happened and here's when it happened and here's where it happened. This is in real human history. Caesar Augustus, Quirinius, Syria, Galilee, Nazareth, Judea, Bethlehem. These are details that beg to be checked. Luke is saying, go ask the eyewitnesses like I did if you don't believe me. Go check if you don't believe me. And so we sing, but not because... First, this is an inspiring story, though it is an inspiring story, and we don't sing for the sake of tradition, because this is what we've always done, or because the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. It's not why we sing. The worst thing we could do is walk away from this holiday, this morning, thinking, I love the carols, and I love the story because it's so cute, and it's so fun. No. Christmas is not just a holiday, it is a true story to be accepted or rejected, but not sentimentalized. That's the worst thing you could do. We sing because we are convinced this is true. God born in a manger, first century Palestine during Roman occupation, we believe it and so we can't help but sing it. And we also sing because Christmas is glorious. Second, second observation, Christmas is glorious. Which is funny, right? Because when we think of glory, uh, we usually think of pomp and circumstance and we think of kings, we think of power and wealth and control. We think of beauty, unimaginable. In a word, we think, when we hear glory, we think of Caesar Augustus, who starts off this whole story, and people like him. We think of somebody who can lift his finger in Rome and the known world obey immediately the largest army in the on the planet at his disposal that's glory right from a human perspective that is glory but here we have a story if you really think about it of a poor unmarried couple hiding in a cave giving birth to a baby boy outside in an animal stall there are no doctors there are no clean towels there is no medicine On its face, this Christmas story is just sad. Remove thousands of years of Christmas, or of a Christian uh, tradition and commercialization of this story. This is a remarkably depressing story from a certain angle. But heaven looks at this and says, glory to God in the highest. Did you pick up on that? That's what the angels say. God's highest glory, the most important thing he has ever done, his legacy, his greatest accomplishment, the culmination of his power and his might and his providence, it's not when he placed the stars in the sky. It's not when he made the sequoias. It's not in the beauty and the complexity of the human cell. It's when he became a burping, crying, helpless baby. In God's opinion, this is his finest hour. This is his glory in the highest. And then don't miss this. Okay, what does God do when he wants to share this good news of his highest glory with the world? Where does he go? Does he go and tell Caesar or King Herod? He says, come and bow down and worship my son from heaven. No, he goes out and he finds the most unimportant, uninfluential people he can find. A group of shepherds outside in the fields. This is, this is mind-boggling. If you really meditate on it, this is a terrible campaign strategy. In Jesus' run for king of the universe, he could not have started off worse. If we were planning this, we would never have done that, never. See, but God's glory in this story is very, it's different, different. Christmas is glorious. And that's why we sing. It's glorious in this surprising, messy, ordinary kind of way. And so when we sing, it's not just to remember the cute story of eight pounds, six ounce baby Jesus. It's to celebrate the very heart of God, the very center of his love, the lengths to which he would go to save his world, his humility and his grace to enter our suffering and our pain and our frailty and our sin. And it may not always look glorious, But there is no story, in my opinion, in the world more beautiful, more glorious than God come down. We cannot help but sing about that story. We sing about Christmas at Christmas because Christmas is true and it's glorious. And we sing last because it's for us. Christmas is for us. It's not just a story. It's our story. It's not just for them. It's for me and for you. It's our rescue. It's our redemption. You see, and you first heard this story from the shepherds themselves, it was they who first sang about this rescue from God. In the whole book, Luke uh, wrote the book of Luke and Acts, the two-volume work. These are the first people in both to go out and share the good news. Shepherds. These lowly, poor, unwanted people singing the birth of a king. Look at verse 20. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard as it had been told to them. Okay, we are talking about grown up men here. and These are hard men. These are working class hard men. They are dancing and singing. Maybe even a few of the Psalms that we've studied in this series of God's salvation. Telling anyone crazy enough to stop and listen what they have just seen. Saying a rescue is here. We saw it. It's salvation from God with skin on. Which means we are not alone. We are not abandoned. God's come to save us, right? This is the last image Luke wants you to have of the Christmas story. He wants you to know this story, this truth. God's invasion is for people like this. And for people like you and me. And so we sing out. We sing. And if we are good students of the Bible, that should not surprise us at all. See, the shepherds here, they follow a long tradition, a long, well-documented pattern in the Bible when they leave singing here. Just think with me for a minute. When God saves, his people sing. When Israel crossed the Red Sea, they wrote a song. It's the first thing they did. When they were rescued from Egypt. When David was a shepherd, he wrote songs of God's protection and strength in the fields with him. When women have children long overdue, they sing. When Mary is visited by the angel, we read it today, she writes a poem. There are over 400 references to singing in the Bible. Did you know that? 400. And about 50 outright commands to sing, most of them here in the Psalms. I was reflecting on this, right, our, our, our modern astronomers, they tell us that the stars and the planets and the heavenly bodies, they all make their own kind of music, and they've been doing that since the beginning of time, forever. And we can't hear them with our human ears, and even our, our best scientific instruments, I think, do not do them justice. But here's the point, somebody commanded those bodies to sing. Someone commanded them to sing. And they have been singing. They have been obeying from that very moment. Even they cannot help but praise God. Is it any wonder that God's people throughout history cannot help it either? I think part of the reason we sing on Sundays when we gather together is because we're training He's teaching us, he's preparing us for a song that is written in the fabric of the universe itself. It's a song we do not yet know. But we listen for it every Christmas. And there's a day coming when Jesus comes again and we will hear it in its fullness. Every tongue and tribe and nation, every generation of God's people throughout time, singing together, and the stars themselves will hum, and the trees of the fields will clap their hands, and the stones will cry out this song of the sun, this second Christmas for which we all long. And this song, it will never end. A hundred thousand weeks of singing, we're just, we're just getting warmed up. Because rescue people cannot help but sing. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for these hints, these glimpses, these echoes of a song written in our hearts, but we we haven't heard it yet. God, until we do, help us to sing out. Help us to look for it. Help us to share it with others. God, thank you for your son who sang this universe into existence. Help us to wait with endurance the day when we can join him in that song. Pray this in his name, amen.